The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're listening to the hottest, the hottest NBA podcast out. Yeah, I said what I said. She's heating up. It's the Heat Check. The Heat Check. Heat Check. With Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check. Oh, I'm fired up about a lot, baby. But we'll just keep it to basketball right now. I'm fired up about Harden and the L.A. Clippers. You know I got some thoughts on that. The Memphis Grizzlies coach, Taylor Jenkins, Someone saves him. He gets the soundbite of the week. We got a surprise winner in the. We got a lot going on, William. So uh, do me a favor and drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. Oh, we got to talk about this. I know we do. And I know it might, just might, blow up in my face because it hasn't been enough of a sample size. It might fix itself, but let's be real. In all reality, it's not going to fix itself. I am fired up about the most unserious basketball player to call himself a superstar in my lifetime in the association in 2023, Mr. Loaf, Mr. Fatsuit, Mr. James fucking Harden. Harden has now taken his circus to L.A., where he is now fucking up the chemistry of another team. And three games in, he's got an entire fan base stripping themselves of their own DNA, cannibalizing each other like it's the fucking Hunger Games. The Clipper fan base, all four of them, are at each other's throats, calling for Ty Lue's job to be fired into the sun, Harden to be benched, Russ to be benched, Kawhi to ask out for an entire dismantling of the organization in just one week? One week! Everything was simpatico. Clippers fans were happy. Harden gets there, and it's just chaos. Here is the top line. The Clippers are now 0-3 with James Harden on the team. Harden is a negative 39 plus minus over that span. That's what it took. Three losses. Harden has a minus 39 in three games. For mass panic on the streets, there is blood, there is fire. It's an explosion out there at the arena. In all seriousness, it's not just that the Clippers are losing, it's how James Harden is playing, I think, that is the problem. So there's this clip, right, that goes viral on Friday night. So James Harden half-heartedly decides, I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut to the basket. And James, alert, alert. When you cut to the basket, people are going to be looking to pass you the ball. It was like James Harden didn't even consider that. I am going to cut to the basket for no other reason, half-heartedly too, for no other reason than just, I don't know, to clear out. 
So Paul George tries to pass James the ball, and he's unaware that it's coming his direction, and it just goes out of bounds. Some of the most unserious basketball going on. And and to call James Harden disinterested would be doing a disservice to the word disinterested. What the fuck, James? What the literal fuck? You were supposed to be revived there. You look like a corpse on the basketball court. The whole world is watching you, and you don't seem to mind. You think it's just fun and games. You're just an MVP. You can turn it on whenever you want. But guess what? It's bad, and I think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get much, much worse. He was supposed to be the guy, Harden, that raised the ceiling for the Clippers. And what James Harden has done is lowered the floor. That is insane. You trade all your pieces, all your role players, all your depth for one massively overpaid guy at the end of his career on an expiring contract. And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? It fucked up the chemistry. And now you guys are taking heavy L's. And I think Terrence Mann hates him. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Terrence Mann, the key piece in the trade that didn't end up getting traded. You saw it in the clip. James Harden makes his arrival, walks into the locker room, and Terrence Mann in his slides looks up from his phone for about two seconds, rolls his eyes, and goes back to his phone again. Here are some interesting stats. And I know it's a small data set, but I do not care. The Clippers, before James Harden, were fifth in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating, third in net rating. After James Harden arrived, 25th in offensive rating, 28th in defensive rating, 27th in net rating. That is very stark. In three games, that's actually impressive. That's actually, to be able to destroy a team that fast is actually quite stunning. They, the best big three in all of basketball were Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Russell Westbrook before Harden got there. And now that he's in the mix, integrating him into the offense has been mass chaos. So what's the problem? Like, why? Well, Ty Lue, Ty Lue thinks that the problem is that James Harden's trying to assimilate too much. Hey, James, we don't need you to fit in. We need us to run everything through you. We need James to be James. I'm sorry, Ty. No, you don't. No, you don't. Harden says he needs 10 games to figure out where he's at in terms of his in shapeness, in terms of his ability to get guys the ball, to get the feel of the team. And I think that's true. Let's be real. James Harden didn't practice. He didn't go through training camp. He didn't do any live on-ball stuff. He was basically chilling. So, yeah, this is his training camp, and so it's probably going to be ugly. But I am starting to fear that James Harden might be washed. I really am. And to say that James Harden and Russell Westbrook don't work together is an understatement. It didn't really work in OKC, except for that James Harden came off the bench and he was six-man. It really didn't work in Houston, and I am certain it's not going to work now. And Westbrook was absolutely cooking before Harden got there. He was running the offense. He was putting up points, getting steals, getting blocks, getting rebounds. He looked vintage. Russ now looks like he was on the L.A. Lakers, absolutely lost, uncertain where to be, uncertain what his role is, uncertain how much time he's going to get. I tell you what, help Russell Westbrook out. Can we get some delineated roles in this bitch or what? As for Harden, I think it's time for him to come off the bench. I really do.
I don't think any team should make him the focal point of their offense ever again, unless they're trying to lose as many games as humanly possible. The Guangdong Dragons shouldn't make James Harden the focal point of their offense. So no NBA in the association should do so either. He needs to adapt. Like, we need Harden to receive ball, shoot ball. <laughs> receive ball, shoot ball. Don't do anything else, James. Do not put the ball on the floor. Do not hezzy. Do not pump fake. Do not head fake. Definitely do not step back. Stand in the corner, catch, and shoot. But he won't. But he won't. James Harden is who we thought Tobias Harris was. Passing up easy shots to take much, much more difficult shots because they seem cooler. They look very much more cool in the highlights when you make them. Catch and shoot, not so sexy. Tween, 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 step back three, splash, looks pretty cool. That's the kind of thing that bag culture likes, folks. Like I said, I think Harden should come off the bench. Let him be that version of Harden then. If you want James Harden to run the offense and run the offense through him, do it against the scrubs. That's all I got to say. Let him throw lobs to Zubak all day in the second quarter, midway through when Paul George and Kawhi are getting a breather. We are very close to finding out whether this mad scientist idea of throwing a bunch of all-stars at a wall right before an arena opens up and they're all on expirings is going to work. But my guess is no. If they don't work this time, I am betting that the wheels will fall off and then some drastic moves will happen for LA where maybe we never think about them for the next decade. Cool new arena, though. Heard it's going to be awesome. Let's move forward. Let's talk about the best soundbite of the week, folks. Let me introduce you to Memphis Grizzlies head coach, Taylor Jenkins. You might not know who Taylor Jenkins is because uh, his coaching style is somewhat hands-off, which might shock no one considering that he is the coach of John Morant, and John Morant's been doing whatever he wants for the last few years. But he's probably one of the most chill, understated coaches in the entire league. Probably least recognizable next to Mark Dagnall, who I still think maybe actually a guy in witness protection. And the fact of the matter is, in all seriousness, stories about DeMarc Dagnall, I get confused for stories about Taylor Jenkins and vice versa. Like I almost put a story in that was actually not about Taylor Jenkins and I had to remove it because it was factually incorrect. Jenkins is not a guy, all that being said, that ever seeks the limelight. He is widely considered to be one of the nicest guys in basketball which is when he decided to go absolutely nuclear in a press conference after a loss, which many of them are losses nowadays with Memphis, I expected him to be like factual, mellow, maybe a little angry. But this, folks, was a whole new version of Taylor Jenkins. Let's listen in. You know, a lot of calls that ended up not going your way in this game. Just how would you describe, you know, the feeling between yourself and the team, you know, when a game kind of plays out that way. Sure, uh, settle up. Uh, one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen. Record it. I'm fine with it. Fucking atrocious. Oh! Jaron Jackson plays 23 minutes and is in the paint all night. He's one of the most professional players in this league and gets a double technical foul. And the, the excuse I get is that he's charging at an official. It's called de-escalation. 29 free throws to 13, and I'm not that coach. You can go back in the history. I've done this one other time. Our team is competing their asses off, competing their asses off. And this is what happens. The interactions right now with the officials, complete disrespect. I know what's coming. (laughs) 
It's unbelievable the looks on the faces when I'm trying to engage in conversation to defend our guys that are busting their tail right now. Busting their tail. And Jaron Jackson's one of the most professional guys. And if you go watch the play, two possessions in a row, he gets hacked underneath the basket, zero free throw attempts. I'm not trying to put a name on a jersey and this guy should earn these fouls and all this stuff. Watch the game. Oh. 29 free throws to basically like there was seven. And then at the end of the game, a few more added. I don't understand it when guys are competing their tails off. And we got stuff we can clean up. Sometimes we're grabbing, we're holding, and one's like, oh, man, here. In the heat of the battle, when conversations are trying to be had, notices trying to be made on things that are happening, and there's not the enforcement of it. It blows my mind. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Our guys are competing their tails off. We got to play better. We got to coach better. We got to play better. But I don't get tonight whatsoever. Again, I'm going to go back to the interactions Stern, nothing, Stonewall, ignoring, and then you wonder why our guys are trying to compete. Oh, this is all time. All time Taylor Jenkins rant. I could go back and listen to that a million more times. He is furious. What I gathered from that is that the referees hate the Memphis Grizzlies. Honestly, they hate you. They do not have time to be talking about your bullshit. Marcus Smart, John Morant, Derek Rose on this team and that right there is three strikes you're out. <laughs> that right there is three strikes you're out. I do not recall Taylor Jenkins ever coming out after refs before. And he's not wrong. Like, have you ever known Taylor Jenkins to make waves at all? No. I didn't even think that was. I was listening to that on Twitter. I didn't even think it was Taylor Jenkins. Grizzlies fans can back up this statement as well. Reddit is full of posts complaining about refing before Jenkins went on this rant. I think this might be a long way coming. I honestly believe that this is a team that is down in the dumps, isn't playing good basketball, and the refs are like, you know what? Fuck you. You know what? You get no calls. You're not getting any free throw attempts. You will be the worst team in the league. No soup for you. Memphis is one-third of the way from having John Morant back and have won exactly one game. They could very easily be 3-17 20 games into the season. They are facing a very uphill battle to get the sixth seed. Like, and that is an understatement probably. And Jaron Jackson now, not getting any foul calls. Memphis might have one of the most brutal schedule of anyone over the next six weeks. They play the Red Hot Rockets three times, the Suns twice, the Celtics, the Wolves, the Lakers, Thunder, and the Clippers. Oh my God. This is a team that could be shutting up shop before John Moran even gets back into the door. No wonder Taylor Jenkins is losing his goddamn mind. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on. Let's give out the Hemi Award. Ah, he is I and I am him. Slim Jim with the smoking rim. He's him. I just made that up, guys. The Hemi Award goes to... Brrr, hold up. Let's talk about the nominees. Could go to Giannis. 54 and 36 minutes. Absolutely unstoppable. Vintage Giannis performance when no one was out there. No Dame. Dame has a calf strain. Brooke Middleton is not a real person, but they could be. Uh, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton was okay. I think he had 16, 17 points. Brooke Lopez was on a milk carton. They showed how many flaws they have as a squad, but Giannis, he was doing his very best to beat the Indiana Pacers. And you know what? We can't give him the Hemi Award because they fucking lost. It would have been bad culture at its finest to give the Hemi Award to Giannis Antetokounmpo because you cannot be the Milwaukee Bucks as a contender, supposedly the number one team in the East, yada, 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 and then lose to the Indiana Pacers and allow Ben Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton to put 50 on your head combined. Hell no. You cannot allow that. The Hemi Award could go to R.J. Barrett, though. New York Nick really stepping up his game. Three wins in the performances in his three last games where he went crazy. Last three games, he's had 24 points, 24 points, and 26 points. All of those games, the Knicks won. 53% shooting, 58% from three, and 92% from the free throw line during that span. 60% from three, boy, is insane. Especially considering R.J. Barrett was known to be an absolute brick machine from three. That was something that he needed to clean up even when he was at Duke. 60% is disgusting. Steph Curry is not a 60% three-point shooter. I know it's a small sample size, but it's a small sample size award. Hemi Award goes to a week-long span of production. He also scored his 5,000th point as a Nick. That is a milestone worth mentioning as well. But instead, we will give the Hemi Award to a man who is largely overlooked because of the team that he plays for. A team that's so bad they can't even beat the Washington Wizards. Either time! They played him twice last week. They've gotten blown out the last three nights. And you might say, Trista, it's you're giving the Hemi Award out to somebody who's in the bad culture. Losing efforts, putting up empty stats. No, the Charlotte Hornets are not good because they're not good, okay? Like, they have a roster full of guys that don't make no damn sense. But the Hemi Award must go to LaMelo Ball. Charlotte needs to help this man out. LaMelo is doing the Lord's work out there. Top five in the NBA in potential assists. But guess what? But guess what? But guess what? His teammates can't make a bucket. Doesn't matter if he gets to him underneath the basket or an open corner three. They're just not making any. 16 potential assists a game. LaMelo ball over his last four games. 30 points, 6.8 rebounds per game, 8.0 assists per game, almost one and a half steals, 46% from three, 55% from the field, 81% from the free throw line. And in the garden, 32 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, just absolutely killing. 
he has been doing it in a pretty flashy fashion as well. He locked down Tyrese Halliburton with the game on the line. He forced a turnover without Halley even getting a shot off. The flair, the showmanship. Nobody really talks about that quite enough. Someone save this man because he's probably not going to be appreciated until he gets at least a legit squad around him. But let's be honest, he's probably going to ask for a trade and go somewhere else, which he deserves. He is in his right to do so. He's been one of the very few bright spots on a team that has been enveloped in darkness. Like it is a planet that has been shut off by Captain Marvel herself. The Hemi Award goes to LaMelo Ball. Congratulations to LaMelo Ball. He is I and I am him. Flashy with the rim to the brim. I forget how it went. Don't be surprised if he gets back the Hemi Award sometime soon either. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let's go around some news from around the league. Real sad. Shocking news. I couldn't believe it. I thought this news was actually fake when I saw it. Kelly Oubre out indefinitely after being hit by a car as a pedestrian walking down the streets of Philly. Hit and run, actually, as well. Everything about it is is fucked up. Apparently, he was struck by uh, the driver's side window, rear view, side view mirror window. But he's been one of the incredible success stories for Philly so far. 16-5-1 with two blocks and steals per game. And Philly getting off to a hot start because of Oubre. He has become a key starter in this rotation. He's not only been great on the floor, shooting 50%, 38%, and 80% from the free throw line, but he's brought this chill, relaxed, fun vibe to the Sixers that we haven't really seen there in a while, right? It's been bad vibes there since since Jimmy Butler left, really. Notoriously savage fan base absolutely loves him. The first thing that people on Sixers Reddit said was, I hope his face isn't hurt. Pretty, pretty tsunami poppy. Hope he gets better. So on Saturday night while out on a walk, according to Shams, Oubre sustained broken ribs and an assortment of bruises and cuts after being struck by a car, fortunately avoided more serious injuries, and now will be missing significant time. The timetable is indefinitely. Uh, More on this, I'm sure, in the future. We are going to have to try to figure out where this person is that hit and ran on Tsunami Poppy. We shift back to L.A., only this time to talk about the Lakers. The Lake Show, love to see it, has not been off to a stellar start to the season. They're four and five, but two things of interest have come up over the course of the weekend. One, LeBron James is having none of your criticism. He is not not handling that at all. After the rumor floated that he is going to be held to 28 minutes per game for load management, he said, oh no, absolutely not. Fuck that. After game one, he has played 35 minutes a game since then. Take that, Darvin Ham. Take that for data. And when critics complained that he should have taken the final shot against the Heat and Suns instead of passing to Cam Reddish with the game on the line twice, LeBron said this, To all the naysayers and basketball savants that don't know nothing about basketball and tell me I should have shot that shot in Miami instead of passing to Cam Reddish, well, I did the same thing tonight because I trust my teammates. I make the right play every single time. And the game ball goes to Cam Reddish for sure. He did hit the game winner. 
Cam Reddish is a success story. But I make the right play every single time is very Trumpian. It's very like, it was a perfect question. That was a perfect answer to a perfect question. But in this case, LeBron James probably not wrong. In more serious Laker news, Cam Reddish has usurped Austin Reeves in the starting lineup, mostly because Austin Reeves has been boo-boo. A lot of people want to make it out like Austin Reeves was overpaid or this is something that we could have seen coming, but it's really started since FIBA when guys were hunting Austin Reeves in the pick and roll internationally, and now the word has spread like wildfire that Austin Reeves doesn't play no damn defense. The bad news for Reeves is now he is on the bench. Apparently, according to Darvin Ham, do not call it a demotion. Call it realignment of a role. Okay, what a... These people, they like to spin you, don't they? The worst news is that Reddish hit the game winner when he was starting and to beat the Suns. He's averaging 13-4-4 on 43% shooting. It's not going to get him back into a starting position anytime soon. I think he could probably be a valuable sixth man or seventh man when Vanderbilt gets back. On to San Antonio. The Wemby experiment is going. I don't know if it's an experiment. The Wemby world is going swimmingly. I joked on Twitter that Wemby's like an AI that's absorbing the NBA game faster than IBM Watson. Uh, And it is true. Uh, We are not here to talk about Wemby, though. We are here to mention Jeremy Sohan, one of the most fun players to watch. But there has been an experiment that has gone awfully wrong, and everybody knows it. Sohan was entrusted early on in the season, and I think sometimes now, too. I don't know when it happens or why it happens, with playing point guard. Okay, and Jeremy Sohan played the three and the four at Baylor. But no, no, we're going to have Jeremy Sohan play the point guard spot despite never having played point guard before in his fucking life. People called it point Sohan, and they were like, well, well, we don't really have anyone else, so how bad can it be? Pretty bad. As it turns out, he's averaging 9.9 points per game, 5.4 rebounds per game, 4.7 assists per game running the point, which isn't, like, atrocious, but it's not great. The man shoots one-handed free throws, okay? You don't want that kind of guy running your offense, not lighting the world on fire. According to Sohan, when they asked him about this point Sohan experiment and whether he wanted to play point, he said bluntly, yo, no, I do not want to. There are times where I am like, fuck this shit. That is not me just summarizing. That is a real quote. That is an existing quote I just read word for word. I think we are all aligned here. And for them to say we don't have a point guard, that's very shady. Trey Jones is a very serviceable point guard, one of the better pass-first point guards in the league. And I believe when him and Wemby are on the floor together, their plus-minus is through the roof. So let's stop with all this point so hand nonsense. On to Chicago. Where according to Windhorst, Brian Windhorst, scouts from around the league are now descending upon United Center to take a look and gaze upon potential assets that might be for sale in the raging Chicago fire sale. Wendy said this, in talking to some people around the league, the scouts are jamming themselves into bowl games because they realize that at some point the Bulls may break this team up and they're gathering intelligence like what's going to happen to the Bulls. Ooh, baby. And you might think that there are scouts there to see DeRozan and Levine, who are probably on the move, but I personally would be more interested to see Alex Caruso, who might be the best on-ball defender in the league this side of Drew Holiday. Dude is incredible. There has been new highlights coming out every single night 
on Twitter about how good he is on ball. He is a pest. He is physical. He is smart. His basketball IQ is through the roof. I watched a video breakdown of a recent game where he locked down Kevin Durant to the point where Kevin Durant said this about him after the game. He is a phenomenal player. I don't even want to call him a role player. He's a guy you can plug in with any lineup, and he will make the right reads and the right plays on the defensive and offensive side, and the Bulls are lucky to have him. Sounds like Kevin Durant wants Alex Crusoe to play point guard for the Phoenix Suns, and we know that the Phoenix Suns are missing a point guard. Bradley Beal is not that. Devin Booker is not that. Sounds like maybe we could see Alex Crusoe on the move. If the Bulls keep struggling, watch out. There is going to be a fire sale, and a whole lot of teams will be vulturing, waiting to feast on the corpse of a once great franchise, just languishing and existing and subsiding on the legacy of one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That is all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Check in tomorrow for an all-new episode. Check out the feed for past episodes and many episodes which drop unexpectedly, especially when we get random NBA guests on BetMGM tonight, my other show. Do not forget to follow the Heat Check as we cover all the NBA news from around the globe. But you have a job too. Do your job. Do it. Download. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Even the guy at Starbucks who you can't get his name right, and he certainly can't get your name right. Follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll see you next.